see his audience today. I'm not sure, can you all hear me? Yeah, this is I thought it was nothing. Whoa. Anyway, it's good to have you. A couple of weeks ago, I done an introduction to the Book of Jude. And the Book of Jude is a book all about the end times. It's a book that everything in it is to do with the corruption and the apostasy of end times. Now one of the things which you find in life is that God always gives you words. Particularly in the prophetic realm, you make get lots of prophetic words about your destiny and your calling so that when circumstances are opposite from what you've got, you've got something to hold on to. And it's the same when we come to the Word of God. The book of Jude is written for the last days. And the book of Jude gives us examples of people falling away so that you learn from them. And it tells us up front, this is what life is going to be, so don't be downhearted, don't be turned away. I'm letting you know up in front so you can recognise those who are turning away and I'm going to tell you what happens to them so that you will stand firm upon the word of God. When we look to the beginning of Jude, one of the things that we've we done the comparison, because Jude tells us about people creeping in, ungodly people creeping into the church and bringing corruption into the church. And that was, the contrast to that was from 1 John, where it says, there were people that went out from us, but they were not of us. So in John's time, he's talking about people who went out from us, but they were not of us. But in the end times, it is people creeping into the church. And one of the things I've done, maybe it's nice just to do again, just as a recap, is the structure of the book of Jude. It opens and it closes with the assurance for every Christian. It talks verse 3 about the believer in faith. It describes apostates in verse 4. It describes apostates in Old Testament history from verse 5 to 8. The apostasy in the supernatural realm, verse 9 to 10. The apostasy in the natural realm, verse 12 to 13. Apostasy in the Old Testament prophet prophecy from verse 14 to 16. It describes apostates, verses 17 to 19. The believer and the faith, verse 20, 23, and the assurance for the Christian, verse 24 and 25. And in particular, the last time we took the middle part, the apostasy in the supernatural realm. And we, we talked on this particular verse, which just seemed to go mid, are we out left field? Because we had three examples of corporate apostasy. And then after that, later on, we get three examples of individual apostasy. But right in the middle of it, there was this apostasy, this fighting over a dead body. A real way out thing. And so we covered that the last time. 
So today I want to move on and continue dealing with the apostasy. Now apostasy, nearly at its core, is a rejection of the truth of God. It is a rejection of the truth of God. And then the scriptures, and gives us three people. Cain, Balaam, and Korah. And you know, one of the things, if you pay particular attention, is that if you were doing who comes first, it would be Cain, Korah, and Balaam. So the chronology is right away highlights something to us. And just as a diversion, I just want to show you how these things are important in Scripture. Uh, it has nothing to do with Jude, but it has to do with Scripture. If you go back to Genesis, and you were looking at the names of the first people mentioned in the Bible. You know, you get Adam, you get Seth, you get Enoch, Cain, Mahalat, Yared, Enoch, Masuzalah, Lamech, and Noah. You can look at all their names. Adam, what does it mean? Man. Zeph means appointed. Enos means mortal. Kenan means sorrow. Maha, well, the blessed man. Jared shall come down. Enoch teaching. Masuzalah, and then you've got the Lamech, the despairing, more the rest of the comfort. But when you put it into a sentence, you get the gospel. Because what it says is that man is appointed mortal to <coughs> sorrow. But the blessed God shall come down teaching that his death shall bring the despairing rest. So when we get things in a particular sequence, God is highlighting something for us to pay particular attention to. And so when it comes here to <coughs> the chronology of them is highlighting something for us. You know, Different people. Cain, a tiller of the ground. Balaam is a prophet. And Korah is a prince in Israel. So there are three totally different people that the scriptures highlight. <coughs> and the process that we're going to look at today is they enter into the wrong path. Once they enter into this wrong path, they go headstrong along the path that they're on. And their end result is destruction. <coughs> so as we come here, the scriptures tell us that to them is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. So in Jude 1 11 it says, Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain. I ran greedily after the error of Balaam for the war and perished in the gainsaying of Korah. Three different people, different positions, but they made drastic mistakes in their life. The way of Cain. Well, most of us have no Proverbs 16.25. There is a way that seems right, but the end is judgment. So Genesis 4-5, we would maybe want to ask a question. 
Why did God not have respect unto Cain's offering? Why did God not have any respect to it? In the book of Hebrews, it said, By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. And God testified of his gifts, and by it being dead, yet speaks. So Abel's offering is by faith. And he goes on to say, And Abel, he also brought the first thing of the flock, the Lord had respect unto Abel and his offering. So right away, we can look at Cain, and we can say, well, Cain brought things from the ground which were cursed. And we can look at Cain, and quite often, there's a comparison. There is the faith, and then there's the works. And there's a lot in the particular things. And so we, you will find that, and you look at this, Abel had faith, Cain is doing works. But I just want to divert things a wee bit today because although we always get caught up in faith, it's good to go to the scriptures in the New Testament. Because in John 6, 28 it says, remember Jesus had been feeding the multitude. You know, and the, the miracles that people were seeing because you can imagine going down with a basket and every time a bit of a fish is given to some, somebody seeing something else just automatically producing. And the miracle was so great that you will find people saying, this is that prophet that I've told about. Remember we, we said to, when the Pharisees came to John the Baptist, are you that prophet? But when Jesus fell fed the multitude, people will come and say, this is that prophet. But, so when they come to him, they ask a question. What shall we do that we might work the works of God? What can we do to do the works of God? They pay particular attention to what Jesus requires. He takes away your works. And what Jesus says, the work, singular, of God that ye believe on him whom he has sent. The work singular is to believe on him who has been sent. Yeah. To believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. To believe that he has come from heaven. To believe that he is who he says he is, the Son of God. And so, Jesus corrects the crowd. And they replace their works with work. And if you notice, that work was to believe. And belief cannot be classified with works. Belief cannot be classified with works. And they said, believe on him. And so, in Hebrews 10, 5-9, if you put it up there, what you will find, Jesus does the works of God. He comes and he offers his life. So Jesus does the work in our place. We have to believe in him. And John 5, 24 says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word, believeth on him that sent me, 
an everlasting life. And shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. And what you will find quite often in the scriptures, you'll see Jesus saying, He that believeth on me, and then we're going to say, hath everlasting life. He that believeth on me, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. He that believeth me should not abide in darkness. He that believeth not on me, so you don't believe in him, but on him that sent me, you believe on the Father that sent me. He that believeth my word and on him, my Father, you have everlasting life. And he that believeth the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my Father. So man's, man's nature is to do works. Man is always looking for favour to do something to please God. Man is always looking. When you tell him just to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, he'll say, but what else do I must do? And it's human nature looking to do something else. So when we come to Cain, we find in 1 John, leading from chapter 3, verse 10, in this the children of God are manifest and the children of the devil. So there's a separation. You know who's the children of God, you know who's not the children of God. Whosoever does not do righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. Well, we know that Cain never loved his brother. He murdered his brother. For this is a message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother, and wherefore slew him, he him, because his own works were evil, and his brother's righteous. So the way of Cain is a way of unrighteousness. It's a way of envy, there'll be jealousy, it's a way that leads to murder and destruction. You know, in 2 Corinthians 11, 3, it says, As the serpent beguiled, that means bewitched, hypnotized Eve through his subtlety. And so you can imagine what has happened to Cain, what took place with Eve has taken place with Cain. Being bewitched, being beguiled by the serpent. And it indicates that he can under his spell, can under his way of operating, and in his heart, murder, envy, and jealousy came forth. But there's also something much more deeper than not just the way that he went, offering the food of the ground, offering, killing his brother. See, the Bible says, in Genesis 4 3, in the process of time it came to pass. In the process of time, what that's telling us, God gave Cain and Abel space and time so that they would know how to approach him. They would know which way to come. And it was very clear to them which way. Because the Bible tells us. That the parents, God had to kill an animal and to clothe them. God had made it plain that without the shedding of blood, you can't come before me. 
And the Bible tells us. So when Cain comes with his offering, he knows where to come. He knows the place where to come. He knows when to come. And he knows what to bring. And Cain came for his offering much earlier than Abel came. He was the first to come with his offering. And so Cain comes and he offers that which is the fruit of the ground, that which is his own labour, that which he has worked on and done. And he comes before the Lord. Then he comes according to the dictates of his own conscience. And Cain's offering was rejected. But here's the thing. If, if the person is rejected, his offering will be rejected. And Cain was rejected because of the wickedness in his heart. And because he wasn't in the right place, his offering was accepted. You know, thinking this, Cain believes in God. But he did not believe God. Cain believes in God. How many people believe in God? But how many people believe God? And they knew, because the scripture from Genesis chapter 3, the whole way through tells us, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. So the way to come to God is fine. And really, it's looking forward to the cross. And it's also interesting at this time, Abel had the sheep, but they weren't eating meat. At this time, at the very beginning, the sheep were not there for meat. They were used for sacrifice. And Cain was aware of the need for blood to be shed for sin. His offering was the works of his own hands. The way of Cain was to blaspheme God. He says, God, your sacrifice is not enough. More has to be done. And he started to blaspheme God and to say, it was not enough that you done. It was not enough that you sent your son from heaven. It was not enough that he should take on the form of man. It was not enough that he should live in the flesh and experience what everybody else experiences. It was not enough that he should die in Calvary for the sins of mankind. More has to be done. And so the way of Cain was a way of wickedness. It was a way when he started to pull God down and to come against him and say, your salvation is inadequate. More has to be done. I have to have my part to do something for the salvation. And the way of Cain is a way of many people. Many people, they follow that direction and they can't get away and they can't understand that salvation is a free gift that we come by in faith and not by works. And faith in God's atoning work. And so Cain's way, unrighteousness, wickedness, filling his heart, coming under and being seduced by the wicked one, and not believing God's sacrifice in God's way was enough. 
And then we come to the error of Balaam. The root problem with Balaam, you'll find he loved money. He, the love of money. Whether we got it righteously or unrighteously, the love of money was his root cause. But that wasn't his error. The story of Balaam is found in Numbers, between Numbers 22 to 24. The first we hear of Balaam is when Balak, Barak, the king of the Moabites, he sends for him. So here we have a man in the Old Testament who's known as a prophet. And he must have had some reputation. Because Barak knows about him, the king of the Moabites. And what we find he sends from, and in Numbers 22 5 he says, He sent messengers therefore unto Balaam, the son of Beor, to Pethor, which is by the river of the land of the children of his people, to call him, saying, Behold, there is come out from Egypt, behold, they cover the face of the earth, and they abide over against me. Come now therefore, curse me this people. Because whoever you bless is blessed, and whoever you curse is cursed. So here we've got Balaam who has got this reputation, and Barak sent for him to come and curse the children of Israel. And the Bible tells us that the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian came to Balaam with gifts. They came and spoke the words of Balaam to him, and of course Balaam went to inquire of the Lord, the Lord said, don't go with him. And so he sent him away. But of course, all that happened was Barak said, we need to have more higher up people, we need to have more guests, we need to, we obviously were not offering enough, so they send him again. And if, what he does is, he goes and asks the Lord, and the Lord says, only if they call you, go with him. They say, Balaam disobeyed God. First thing in the morning, he was suddenly asked to go. Nobody asked him, nobody spoke to him. He directly disobeyed the Lord, and if you know the story, if it wasn't for his donkey, he would have been dead. And he's the only man in the scripture who argued with a donkey. Because God opened the donkey's mouth. And it shows you how foolish people can become when they start to have alternative motives. And every time he went, when he opened his mouth, he would prophesy blessings over the children of Israel. Number 24, you put from verse 15 to 25, you, you'll read all about these prophecies. You know, these prophecies are just as good as any other prophecies of the prophets of the Old Testament. Prophesying. One of the things that you find that Balaam was a hiring. He had the gift, he had the calling, the character never lived up. And the Ammonites and the Moabites, because of what they've done and what they listened to Balaam when they get some instructions, the Bible tells us they were banned for ten generations from the congregation of the Lord. And that would take you probably down to the time of Ruth. Ruth and the Moabites came into <coughs> back into the children of Israel. But it says in Deuteronomy 23, verse 4. Because they met you not with the bread and water. This is God's judgment on Ammon and the Moabites. 
because they met, when you came through the wilderness, they never met you with bread and water in the way when you came forth out of Egypt. And because they hired against the Balaam, the son of Beor, of Pethor, of Mesopotamia, to curse So what was the sin of Balaam? The sin of Balaam is found in number 3116 in Revelation 2.14. Behold, these caused the children of Israel through the counsel of Balaam to commit trespass against the Lord in the matter of Beor, and there was a plague among the congregation of the Lord. And Revelation said, they taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things, sacrifice unto idols, and to commit fornication. So Balaam's error is that I can't curse him because when I go up to prophesy, God just comes to me. And he gives me all the words. It said, but he went secretly to Balak to say, I'll tell you about the children of Israel. I'll tell you about their God. I'll tell you about their ways. If you want them to curse, this is how you get your, their God to curse them. And he goes privately to give all that information because he loved the money. He wanted the position. He wanted the money. And he was willing to sacrifice his reputation. He was willing to sacrifice lives of people. He was willing to see corruption coming in and judgment of people because he loved money. It was the error of Balaam was to tell Balak what to do so God could destroy and curse Israel. And then you have the rebellion of Korah. As I say, the names are not chronological logical order. It's the way of Cain, the error of Balaam, but there is a rebellion of Korah. And along with Dathan and Abiram, they led a rebellion against Moses. And it was a big rebellion. 250 princes. And the scripture says amongst these princes were famous men, men of renown. And they came against Moses and Aaron and they said to them, All the congregation of Israel are holy. We are all holy. So why do you make yourself ruler over us all? We are all holy. Forget about all what happened during the wilderness years. But if you go to number 16, from 12 to 15, you will find their complaint. The sons of, which says, so we will not come up Keep going to the next verse. Is it a small thing that you have brought us up out of the land flowing with milk and honey to kill us in the wilderness? He said, You made thyself altogether a prince over us. Moreover, thou hast not brought us into the land that flowed with milk and honey, etc. Et so they come up with all their accusations. People make lots of accusations against the church. People make lots of accusations against you. 
The Bible here tells us about Moses. God spoke to Moses on the mountain. God met with Moses in numerous occasions. It was God who gave the Ten Commandments. It was God that said, bring the people on the mountain. The people said, no, 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 no. You got alone. We're too, we're too terrified to go with you, Moses. It was God who gave verbal instructions. It was God who used Moses for the plagues in Egypt. It was God who used Moses for the parting of the Red Sea. It was God who used Moses. And in Deuteronomy 33, 5, it says, And he was king and Jeshurun. What does a king have? A king has responsibility for an army. The king has a responsibility for everything that takes place in the nation. And everybody is under the rule of the king. And they came against Moses. It says, you exalt yourself. You exalt yourself. You take too much upon yourself. We're all holy. We're all as good as you. And so they came against Moses. Number 16, 28 to 34. Goodness me, is the judgment. What is the judgment? Well, we read it up here. And Moses said, Hereby you shall know that the Lord has been with me, and that these men have sent me to do all these works, that I have not done them of my own mind. If these men die in the common death of all men, or if they be visited after the visitation of all men, then the Lord have not sent me. And then if you keep reading down, what does it tell you? It tells you they provoked the Lord. And they never had a common death. They spoke of God against God's anointed man and God's the man that God had called. And when Moses spoke the words, the earth opened up and they went alive down into the pit. They were judged. And God says, rebellion will not be tolerated in the house of God. The rebellion will never ever be tolerated unless you depend from rebellion, you will end up in judgment. And so when we are coming to these people, we find that Cain, his way, was influenced by the demonic realm and Satan and the hatred and didn't want to conform to the instructions of God and never thought that God's plans were good enough for salvation. Balaam, once he was enticed with money, he couldn't let it go. He kept going and going and going and going until he got it. But he paid by his, his own life for his mistake. And Korah, it's not because of a prince. Let's get together with other guys. Let's move. Let's us usurp the authority of Moses. And God brought great judgment on us. Well, we, our error, they perish. It's a process of people. God's salvation. I've got something else I'm going to fall after, which is against the word of God. I'm going to rebel against God. And so what we find, they three people are highlighted for us to say, when you want to see apostasy in action, here's what to look for. And when you see it, be aware, when you go that way, you'll go headstrong down that road, 
But the end of that road is destruction. Is death. The interesting thing about Korah. In the Psalms, you will find Psalms written by, you'll see the name Korah. And that is because not everybody in his family stood with him. There were members of his family who said, I am not standing with you, Dad. I'm not going to be here with you. I'm going to stand with Moses. And because they would not stand with Korah and the princes, you will find their writings in the book of Psalms because God honoured them. God honoured those who stood with him. God always honours people who stand with him. And so we live in the days of the apostasy. We see the, the corruption all around us. And Jude 1 4 says, For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. Ungodly men turning the grace of God into lasciviousness. If you go and look up the definition of lasciviousness, you'll find it all got to do with sexual sin, lewdness, baseness, and denying the only Lord God and the Lord Jesus Christ. We stand firm on the word of God because we do not deny the Lord Jesus Christ. We do, we do not go the way of Cain. We go the way of Christ. We do not go after the error of Balaam. We follow the truth of Jesus Christ. <coughs> and we don't go into destruction following Korah. We receive eternal life from the Lord Jesus Christ. Our, life is in, our ways in Christ, our life's in Christ, our hope is in Christ. And so today, let's look up. Let's not be discouraged with what we see around us happening. The Lord's told us, these things will happen. Look out, know what the end is. But you keep your eyes fixed today on the Saviour who is coming from heaven in the days ahead. So Father, in the name of Jesus, we just pray today for a quickening of your spirit. Lord, that what we see around us will not dictate how we should live. But we lift our eyes today and we fix our gaze upon Jesus. We lift our eyes and we declare and decree that he alone is the Lord God Almighty, worthy of worship, and that his way is a glorious way. His truth is a glorious truth. And the life that we have in Christ is a glorious life. And so we honour you today, Father. We honour you and we say you are worthy to be praised and to be glorified. And we say, bless your people. Lord, let them be strong in these days. So that as the waves come in, they just wash over and have no effect upon your people. And Lord, fill them with the Holy Ghost. Let them be mighty towers. Strongholds of righteousness in these days. In the name of Jesus. Amen.